Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. has to be said that when we started this Almost Daily World Cup podcast, the intention was to do it almost daily. And we hadn't done one for a week. But, you know, it's free. What more do you want? Uh, welcome to the latest episode, episode number four, I think, of the forty twenty almost daily rugby league World Cup podcast, in which we look ahead to the women's World Cup by speaking to all eight nations involved in the competition. Stay tuned for that. First, I've been speaking to Michael Shires, who's been following England throughout the tournament spending his hard-earned money, well, I assume he's hard-earned, I don't know what he does, uh, to watch Sean Wayne's men on their inexorable route to glory and winning the World Cup at Old Trafford in a few weeks' time. Now, if they don't win, uh, it's not my fault, despite the fact I get blamed for everything. So I'm going to shut up, and we'll hear from Michael. I was a fan at Sheffield yesterday, which was an interesting experience. Paying for a ticket is something not often done uh, when you're in the media, because you try and get as many freebies as possible. Um, but it was a great experience at Bramall Lane. Uh, in the cop, cheering on England, not scoring 100 points. But a man who's been following England throughout this tournament is our friend Michael Shires. Michael, how, how many games have you seen at this World Cup so far, England and whoever else? I know you've been at Middlesbrough today. Yeah, so I've seen all England group games. And then I've been to watch uh, Jamaica play Ireland. Um, and I went to um, Middlesbrough today to watch uh, Tongan destroy the Cook Islands. And then I'm going to Doncaster tomorrow evening to uh, to watch Wales take on PNG. And then I've watched um, I've watched pretty much most of the games, um, you know, from the BBC as well. And I was going to um, hopefully be going to watch uh, Australia Scotland, but unfortunately my wife had a car crash in the afternoon of the game, so uh, so that put a, a spoke in the wheel, which is uh, she's recovering well, thankfully. So uh, so yeah, been to quite a few. I've been to quite a few. Good, good. Well, I'm glad she's okay. That's the that's the main thing. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm I'm jealous because I do want to go to to the game tomorrow in Doncaster, but I I think I'm just at the point where I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got I've got I think I've got three double headers this week because there's the women's one on Tuesday yes. in Leeds, then there's the one in York on Wednesday, and then on Friday I'm going to the wheelchair one in Sheffield, and I've got a feeling there's another wheelchair one in Sheffield on Sunday as well. So I mean, I, I, I that will be. 
eight games um, this week. So as much mm. as I want to go to see Papua New Guinea because their coach did ask us in the car park if we were going on Monday mm. last week, <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm letting him and Papua New Guinea down now. But I've, I've got to take a break. And um, they will face England, of course, if they win in the quarterfinals in Wigan next Saturday, which I was going to go to, but there's a train strike on, so we went to Bramall Lane instead. Uh, there's been. A, I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion, Michael, because the, the internet is full of negativity. I mm. have enjoyed what I've seen of the World Cup so far, both as a fan at Bramall Lane and sat in the media boxes at various grounds so far. A lot of people moaning about um, attendances and ticket price and this mm. and that and the other, but What's it been like being at all these games? Is that something you you thought, oh, this has really put me off enjoying this game because there's an empty seat here and there, or well, more than a few empty seats today, obviously, at Middlesbrough. But it seems that everyone who's been to games has enjoyed being at the game. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, Richard. I mean, I think if I look at the World Cup journey that I've, that I've had as a fan, um, the first event at St. James's Park, I went up with my wife and my two, uh, my I went up with my two boys as well. And we had a fantastic experience. And I think in the city itself, you could tell it was a big event. There was lots of lots of advertising, lots of um, you know, lots of people wearing the rugby league kit. It was the fan village. You could tell it was a big event for the city. Um, and where we were sat, we were in the um, we were in the East Stand, which is that's the single that's the single tier stand. And to be fair, there wasn't a single seat available where we were. Um and there were 43,000, just over 43,000 people, and it felt like a big event. And what was really noticeable, certainly where I was sat, was the predominance of northeast accents, you know, both in the concourse and where we were sat. It, it wasn't a typical rugby league crowd. And you genuinely got that feeling, and you felt like you were at a major event, and then kind of streaming out into the city as you do afterwards from St James's Park and you know we went to a, we went to a pizza restaurant nearby on, on Grey Street and there were a number of different tables there with people wearing you know kind of England kind of kit and because I'm a really nerds I was walking past I was actually listening to the accents and there were genuine Geordie accents so it, it felt like we got to a new felt like we got to a new fan base I think I think in terms of look you know there has been a bit of you know kind of talk online at as you say about ticket pricing and the attendances, um, but I think we have to, we have to bear a few things in mind. I think you know, kind of, it feels like that over the last twenty years we've had a diet of free discounted fire sale tickets for rugby league events, and we've got used to that. Whereas I think this event has actually been sold at the proper worth of the price. So I think the margin that, that people, you know, that the organisers will make that. You know, my understanding is, is that the funds get put back into international rugby league. There's a good margin made. And it was interesting at, at Middlesbrough today, there were just over 8,000 people there in a, in a stadium of about 32,000. But you know what? It was a really good event. And f f from what I could listen, no one was talking about, you know, oh, there's only 8,000 here, there's empty seats. But there were clearly new people coming to the sport. There were lots of, lots of rugby union uh, kind of northeast club you know, kind of apparel on show. But there were lots of people, I think, had never been to a rugby match in their life and, you know, they were just really enjoying the event for what it was. So I think um, we've, I think that the tournament has definitely reached a new audience, certainly in the experience that I've had, both at Bolton and St James's Park, um, 
and at Bramall Lane because there were lots of you know kind of like I was I was sat next to a row of young kids and it was clearly their first rugby league match. You could just tell that by what they were saying, um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think in terms of the, I think in terms of the attendances, I think it's not necessarily good or bad, but I think you get different outcomes with different things that you do. So. If you have tickets like we did at the 2013 World Cup, where you could go watch Samoa v New Zealand at the Halliwell Jones Stadium for £5 a ticket, or go watch England v Ireland at the John Smith Stadium, whatever it's called these days, Gulf Farm, um, you know, for, for £2 a child, because I can remember a local junior club to me saying that's what they got. And yeah, you may get more people in the stand, but you're not actually making any money and you're not making any profit. And I think that there's a balance there. And I think when people say the tickets are expensive, I think it's a fair comment to say that, you know, £70 for a ticket midweek at St. Helens for a Tonga match is too much, in my opinion. But I think in the same breath, you have to say that there's been a tremendous amount of value for money tickets. So, you know, the ticket I paid for Mill today cost me £15. And it was great value for money. And there's been a lot of those as well. And indeed, at the St. James Park Open, there were tickets side on in the large kind of stand that they have, I think it's the Milburn stand. They were £30 for adults. So you could take a family for a value weekend out. Um, but for me, I think, yeah, I think the tournament, um, certainly the matches that I've attended, have been a great celebration of the sport. We've reached new audiences, and thankfully, England have played very well, and I think that's given the whole thing a huge lift, Richard. I mean, I was uh, sitting with my ne- I took my nephew to the game yesterday, and a couple of friends who are not not rugby league fans, but they they know what's going on in rugby league, so they they, they enjoyed the experience. And it's interesting; they said that twenty five pound for a game in a World Cup is not too much because we got the cheap seats because we're cheap. Um, but I did speak to someone who went to the Australia Fiji game, who said he thought the tickets prices were a bit too expensive, but still bought tickets to go see New Zealand versus Ireland. So he obviously enjoyed it enough mm-hmm. to to pay out mm-hmm. and go again. Um, but away from ticket prices, just after the game yesterday at Bramall Lane, stood with my nephew and I think pretty much all the England squad when they came out stood and had photos with everyone who wanted them and signed autographs and stuff. It was great to see. And it's a bit strange being on the other side of the fence as a fan rather than someone asking them questions. Just just seeing people enjoy mm. themselves because you got stress asking these daft questions of famous uh, rugby league superstars. But even Sean Wayne was uh, in a uh, in a good mood yesterday, and, and, and rightly so because I know England were expected to beat Greece comfortably. They did, but they did it in some style as well. And and I think that's what the, those who would were perhaps at their first game yesterday would certainly have enjoyed. Most definitely, and I'll go back to the family that were sat next to me. None of them were concerned about the scoreline whatsoever. They were just loving England scoring tries. Um, and they scored some good tries. And I think England, in some respects, were in a no-win situation yesterday because if they'd have only won by 30 to 40 points and you've had a closer game, there'd have been lots of people complaining that, oh, we should be putting the, you know, the Greeks to the sword. But actually, they were pretty ruthless and you know, it was quite entertaining to watch and it just felt like an event. And it was a good event, really, to be at in a, you know, in a city that, you know, whilst it has obviously challenged cup winners in Sheffield Eagles back in 1998, you know, it is, it's not a rugby city, it's very much a football city. So, you know, we are reaching new audiences. And I think what, what some people forget about, you know, and so, you know, we should have these games in the heartlands. It's those cities paid a hosting fee to the Rugby League World Cup to actually host those fixtures. So, you know, we, we are exposing ourselves to new audiences, you know, to new corporates. You look at the sponsors of the World Cup, 
most of those firms have never been involved with rugby league at all. Um, and I think that's a really good thing because hopefully, you know, one of the legacies that we need from this tournament is actually regular international competition. And when we can have a test series, we can go back to these cities and say, would you like to bid for the England-New Zealand opening test match at St James's Park? Yes, I would. And we've got, you know, a demographic that can, you know, um, that can attend that's, that's, that wouldn't ordinarily put money into the sport. Um, so no, it was good event. It was good event at Bramall Lane, and it was. I, I was actually quite surprised at the amount of Greek restaurants near Bramall Lane. Actually, <laughs> there were a surprising amount. I think I must account four or five walking past. <laughs> well, that's one of the strange things people have said about this World Cup, and obviously you, you saw Jamaica against Ireland as well. Is oh, we need to get rid of the the Greasers and Jamaicans and whatever, but they are the countries that make the World Cup the World Cup. And if it was just England versus Australia and New Zealand, and invite one other then we're just doing the four nations all over again and in every sporting world cup there is there's always going to be mismatches because it represents the whole world and not just the the best nations that's that's what world cups are about and i don't think anyone could have been disappointed with the amount of effort greece but yeah they they lost by 80 odd points but they were expected to do that jamaica probably are going to be more disappointed with their latter uh, performance against ireland and perhaps the performance today against lebanon but They've brought a different kind of thing to the competition, a different uh, continent involved. We'll see that in the women with, with Brazil on, on Tuesday, which still no one knows what to expect. But I don't know, is it a rugby league thing where we just get upset about things that happen everywhere else and we just ignore that they happen everywhere else and just stay in our bubble? And I've enjoyed seeing Greece. I've enjoyed seeing Jamaica because we don't see them at all because we don't see enough international rugby league at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think for me as a as an internationalist, I've I've really enjoyed the group stages. I think you know, it's it's a bit of a corny phrase, but but there is the element of romance of the cup, and seeing seeing the first you know, Jamaica score against Ireland, seeing their try against New Zealand, seeing the tries that the Greeks scored. That's it. Sounds you know, the biggest cheer in Middlesbrough today was for the Cook Island tries. Um, so it's Captain Cook from uh, from Great Ayton, which is just outside of Middlesbrough. Um, but I think for me, it, it depends what outcomes you want. And as I said earlier, it's not necessarily good or bad. You just get different outcomes. So one thing that you could do is instead of having you know four groups of four, you could have four groups of three. And whilst you would have uh, a greater kind of uh, purity of sport on the pitch, what you miss out on are the backstories of the Greek team, of the Jamaican team of the Lebanese team. And it's really interesting that I think that actually the sport engages with the communities within the UK. So for example, in, you know, the Jamaican community and the West Indian community in Leeds, we'll have seen a re-engagement with the sport there. We've clearly seen an engagement with the Greek community in the UK and the Lebanese community. Um, and I think, I think the thing is the World Cup is the perfect vehicle for that. Um, because, you know, yesterday at the end, there were, you know, there were thousands of people stood to applaud the Greek team, and you could see one of the Greek players, or I assume was one of the domestic players, was literally crying because he couldn't believe that so many people were standing and applauding him. And then those players, particularly the domestic ones, then go back to their domestic leagues, and they're infused with, with fire and passion, and, and that's what you want. And I think my my only kind of criticism of some of the, you know, the so-called kind of minnow nations, and I don't really like to use that word, is, is, is it's actually what level of domestic development 
are they doing in between the World Cups? And I think that's where you could look at, you know, you could look at Scotland and Ireland, for example, and say, well, actually, are they developing, you know, the sport within their nations? Would it be better to have, you know, Ghana, for example, compete at the World Cup? Because actually you've got quite a nascent burgeoning seen in the country itself and I think that's the challenge for those nations it's not to get the diaspora together um, to have a big party every four years it's what you're doing in between and that's not to knock anyone who is giving their all in those nations a lot of it is you know they just need greater funding to employ development officers to actually you know put on coaching uh, courses higher facilities etc very very difficult um, whilst I do have the Yorkshire accent living in the Midlands, I live in a development area and trust me, it's hard and lots of effort gets gets uh, gets put in. That's that's a challenge for the whole game really to make sure it's not just a party every four years. It's actually, you know, you build and you build and you build and you build. Um, but no, I've, 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 I have really enjoyed the backstories of the players. Uh, looking forward to the Women's and Wheelchair World Cup where I think those backstories will be even greater really also so 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 yeah so i think it's it's a balance of outcome that you get in terms of you get a bit of disparity on the field but as a spectator you really buy in to those underdog stories and background stories and that's what's great about the world cup you know because otherwise it's just four nations isn't it which is which is dull i'm I'm completely bought into um cook islands which I, i knew very little about before the world cup apart from they play rugby uh and and their women have got to play australia i think is that the first game they've got in the World Cup? I can't remember because there's so much going on. I can't remember what's going on. But they they should lose that game by a big scoreline. But everyone in York who's there is going to be behind them because they're playing Australia. It's it's going to be a it's going to be superb. As you say, we, we we've got the the smaller nations have disappeared from the men's on, but now we've got a whole new pair of tournaments where we've got new <clears> teams to meet and new stories to create, and it, it's. It has been, in terms of the schedule, I know people are going to say, well, England are kicking off at 2.30 in the afternoon on the Tuesday. That's not good. But I'm sure there are reasons for that that are complicated and probably to do with TV and stuff that we're not party to. But in terms of the way that it's been scheduled, as the men's bit gets up to the knockout stage and then the women's in the wheelchair comes in with even more teams. I mean, what great stories we've got in the men's event. Australia, Lebanon. I don't think there's, I, I mean, I would love to be at Samoa Tonga next week because that's going to be mm. just an epic clash, but I'll be watching on TV. Uh, England versus Papua New Guinea. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, wh- where do you think England go from here? Obviously, they've had two, uh, three wins, two by big scores. And I guess, the, I guess the real one was the Samoa game, wasn't it? Because no one going into St. James's Park in that first game expected any kind of scoreline like that. And someone said, did they peak too early? Have England peaked too early? Put all the pressure on Sean Wayne again now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they could have done. I mean, as, as you know, I follow a guy on, on Twitter who I'm good, good friends with who says, you know, there's a narrative to everything. Um, and I think the danger if you're England is, was our final, the St. James's Park opener? And actually, have we been, have we been really tested? I, I certainly think, you know, for the first kind of 60 minutes against Samoa, I thought we were tested. Um, but I thought we rose to that test. I think we've got a very, very, very good team. Um, there's only, I think, about four, possibly five players in our squad that haven't played in the NRL. We've got a good mix of experience and youth. Um, and I think we've got some pretty exciting players, you know, particularly in the back line, you know, you know, the Farmworths, the Youngs, 
you know the Makinsons and the Watkins, and I think you know they've been they've been the standout for me. I was you know against Samoa, they absolutely destroyed you know the Samoans. I do agree with Matt Parrish in the sense of I think that, that I think that the Samoans will get better, and you know uh, ironically we could meet them in the semi-finals. But I think I think Saturday at, at, at Wigan, Papua New Guinea, um, I think it will be a really really good test for England. It's the first kind of knockout match. It's you know there's a different level of seriousness. But that said, we seem to be in good health. I'm hoping Victor Radley's elbow injury picked up yesterday isn't that serious. I think he's been magnificent at loose forward. He's just he's, he's kind of playing that Sean O'Loughlin role, um, but he's you know he's a bit younger and fitter than Sean was in the last few times he turned out for England. So he's probably a bit more effective than uh, Sean was in his latter years. But obviously, an absolute legend of the game, Sean O'Loughlin was. Um, but I think that would be a real test for England. But you know, the, looking at the narrative, if, if you look at it as now, it's a it's a three game tournament for England. Mm. We're in the best position we possibly could be. Players seem to be in good form. They, they seem to be quite tight knit. Playing a good style of rugby, they're making very few errors. You know, the, you know, they're kind of physically dominant. We've got excitement in the backs, creativity, um, and you can see the stepping stones are building now. You know, Papua New Guinea is a, a harder test. And you've got either Tonga or Samoa, which will be an even harder test. And then you could have the ultimate test, which is most likely to be Australia, but may well be New Zealand. Um, I think England are in a good spot. I think some of the quarterfinals, Samoa, Tonga, it's just mouth-watering. Um, you know, certainly if I live in the north of England, I'd, I'd certainly be getting along to that. I'm, I'm just going to go with England PNG game. Um, but you look at some of the semi-finals, uh, sorry, quarterfinals, there's a great backstory. Australia 11 on particularly with Michael Checker um, having been a, a national coach of Australia himself previously um, and then you know people have, you know seem to discount Fiji in this but I don't think New Zealand have, have been at their best you know by any stretch of the means so I think that'll be a, that'll be an exciting game and I think you know kind of one thing I've loved about the group stage as well Richard is is you can just you can turn on your TV on the night and you've got a rugby league match on on the BBC, or you can follow the three matches, you know, on you know the Super Sundays and, and the Super Saturdays, and it's fantastic. And I think what what it will do is is that you'll have the 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 kind of the highlights of the knockout matches, but then interspersed with that, you'll have the women's and the wheelchair, and it's just you know it's 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 fantastic. And I can't remember having exposure for rugby league like it ever. I don't think it's ever happened really, which is which is huge. It's great, and, and the fact there are three tournaments that will be going on at, at the same time. And I've I've seen people saying, and it makes me laugh because they say, "Oh, the the women's tournament, the women's final shouldn't be a double header because it demeans the women's game." I, you know, I'm not going to speak for women, but if I say to them, "Right, do you want to play at the Halliwell Jones on a Friday night, or do you want to play at Old Trafford?" It's like people saying, "Oh, the, the Challenge Cup final shouldn't be a double header at Wembley." Yeah, you, you go tell them women then that they're not playing at Wembley. They've got to play at, you know, Featherstonness or Rodsall or something. It's it's nonsense. Uh, you're going to the Copper Box, aren't you? Yes, yes. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be my first live match of wheelchair rugby league. Going there this Thursday, taking the afternoon off work. Thankfully, the training strike, which was scheduled for them, has been moved to a different day. So that worked out very well for me. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, actually going to watch an England v Australia match where where England are the favourites um, and um, you know hopefully uh, hopefully we can do it I think going back to your point about you know the double header with the uh, women's game I just I just think for me that we need our best participants on the biggest stage 
and you know if if you're a young person watching that watching that double header unfold on Saturday afternoon you know be a young girl or a young boy I just don't see how you can fail to be impressed by it and you know I can assure you because I'm, I'm going to the final I'll be there when that door opens because I want to watch the best that the women's game has to offer because it, it is it is so good to watch because it, it's actually it's almost like watching a different style of rugby league it's just very different to the men's game um, and there are elements of it that I actually much prefer I think you know I think the women actually chance their arm a little bit more you know with the ball I think it's a little bit more free flowing um, so yeah I think it's I think it'll be great and it's just fantastic exposure for the sport and fundamentally the future of the sport is we need more women playing the sport because chances are they're going to be the mothers that are going to let the daughters and the sons play a contact sport so actually we need you know we need the you know the women's game to grow and prosper and this is a great showcase for it what what are you um having never seen a game live then what are you what are you expecting at the copper box because what you're expecting what you see maybe maybe completely Mm. different things um that's it sounds like the thing i'm looking forward to most about live game is, is actually the noise because i don't think that necessarily comes across when you watch the game i've watched plenty of um wheelchair games on tv but I, I'm really looking forward to the, like the noise of the chairs clashing, um, and just seeing some of the tries that the score where they're literally sprawling over the line, you know, you know, with a wheelchair. Um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how it kind of works live as well. So sometimes I think when you watch sport on TV, on TV, you kind of you are kind of beholden to what the broadcaster is doing, and you focus very much um, on where the camera's pointing. Which in some ways it's why I kind of rugby league is the perfect TV sport because the action happens within a 20 metre corridor whereas obviously if you go watch association football, Australian rules football cricket, you get a wider view of the pitch, you can see what, what else is happening so I'm actually quite looking forward to being able to see what's the kind of off the ball movement if you like with the wheelchair game as well um, but yeah really 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 excited and I just think as well you know some of the backstories of the people that have sacrificed and you know, given up, um, you know, work to actually play in the tournament. I just think will be huge. So, yeah, really excited about that. It is, I, I am convinced that people are going to see it for the first time on BBC Two in the daytime where they're used to watching gardening or antique <laughs> programmes. And then there's going to be a lot of people bashing into each other in chairs. I think I called it human dodgems last week, which I, I, I've, I've toyed with it before because I don't know if it's offensive or not because I don't think it is, but it's... It, it is literally people bashing into each other, but the skill and the artistry. We talked about sport being ballet last week with a poet, and, and, it, and it is very artistic. It reminds me a lot of ice hockey. It reminds me of American football, but it is recognisably rugby league, and that's why, because the other wheelchair rugby is nothing like rugby, rugby union, let alone rugby in any sense, but this is, it's just rugby league, but they sat down in chairs and they wheel around it. It's it's amazing and, it, and it's not the i'm not saying this is kind of oh inspirational disabled athletes thing it, it's just, it's just bloody good sport and it is people are going to be amazed because they've not been exposed to it and they're going to go wow this is ridiculous um i'm very excited i'm looking forward to the final and hopefully it is a uh, england in that and, and france because they are the top two teams in the world 
Hopefully England get to the final of all the World Cups. I mean, as we speak, mm. they're beating New Zealand in the PDRL final. So hopefully by the time this goes out, they've won it. Otherwise, I've, yeah. I've jinxed them and I get blamed for everything. <laughs> so I got blamed for the opening so many going wrong. So that was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to say anything again. Um, Michael, we shall catch up with you again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, enjoy wherever you go to next uh, who knows I, I might see you on these matches because i might i might be somewhere but uh, if not i shall catch you again on the internet at some point in the future and uh, yeah en- enjoy enjoy the world cup you can tell i'm tired because i'm just rambling and i don't know what i'm saying anymore no no it's uh no it's good to come on richard i've, I've, I've listened to the podcast right from radio yorkshire Day, so it's actually good to be able to contribute to it and give a uh give a fan's perspective. I always think kind of 40, 20 of the publication and, you know, the podcast that you guys do, you kind of, you do look at rugby league from many different angles, which I think is good. It, it broadens the debate, it, you know, it, 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 it broadens the content and that's what we need to be. We need to be, you know, kind of a, a broad, um, a broad base and, and as inclusive as we can be. So I know it's a, it's a delight to be on and uh, happy to do it again at a later stage. The Radio Yorkshire Day is always known. When we were good. That's the glory <laughs> days. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's the uh, self-deprecation now, but people going, yeah, yeah, it used to be a lot better. Uh, Michael, thank you very much. We shall uh, catch up with you again soon. Enjoy your uh, your first experience of wheelchair rugby league this week. I shall. Men's quarterfinals then starting on Friday. The Wheelchair World Cup starts on Thursday. And the Women's World Cup starts on Tuesday with two fixtures in Group A. And that's where we'll start with our look ahead to the tournament. I was in York last week for the tournament launch. Claire Balding doing a very good speech. And the someone from the council did a very funny joke about the uh, Duke of York. I mean, I'm surprised that the politicians do that kind of thing these days. Not those jokes they do in Prime Minister's Questions. It was actually quite funny. Uh, but... In Group A, which is not based in York, it's based in Leeds. England, the hosts, will face the challenge of Papua New Guinea, the Canadian Ravens and Brazil appearing at their first ever World Cup. And let's start with them as I spoke with their captain, Maria Graf, at the launch on Friday. Maria, welcome to England. Welcome to the World Cup. I never thought I would see Brazil play rugby league. What has the journey been like to get here? I never thought this too, but <laughs> I think we deserve to be here because we work hard and we have a good team and good players, so I think we can surprise the world with our rugby league. How did the game go against France yesterday? Yeah, we are looking forward for this game because we are making history. And in our first time in World Cup, just against the whole city, the opening game, we are looking forward, but we are very glad and prepared. What Have you seen much of England play? Do you know much about how they play, what to expect on Tuesday? England is a good, really, really good team. Uh, I watched some games and I am and surprised with the skills from England. But I think we can we can play so well as the team of England. Brazil is uh, a massive country. 
rugby league, the tiny sport over there. How did you get involved? I have played uh, rugby union before, so when we haven't many visibility from the rugby engineer, the rugby union is the like a platform from rugby league in Brazil because rugby league is just beginning, but I think we can we can turn bigger and stronger uh, sports in Brazil because with this first time in World Cup it's like a, it's like a spotlight it's like a spotlight or a big opportunity to show uh, to show to Brazil and sponsors and TVs okay we can do this in and let's let's make rugby league a uh, bigger sports in Brazil. Pulling on the national jersey, representing your country, how does that feel? How does that make you feel? It's an honor represent Brazil, so from America. It's an honor be the captain of the team, and I'm very very glad to be to be here in this amazing experience. I am living a dream and I hope I can enjoy and have fun. <laughs> How are you finding the weather? We, we, we think Brazil is hot, warm all the time, it's hot all the time. England, not, not quite so much. It's not a problem for us because Brazil has many uh, waters, waters, waters uh, along here. So in my, my city, I I have cold too, so <laughs> it's not a problem for us. It's just like being in Wakefield, and that's okay. Um, final one: um, What can the spectators, the viewers, expect from Brazil in terms of how you're going to play in this competition? The people, the people never saw Brazil playing rugby league, but I think we can surprise the world. Still getting my head around Brazil being in it. Right, let's hear from the two teams who will meet each other in that uh, first day of action in Leeds. Uh, first, we'll hear from Papua New Guinea. Uh, their coach, Ben Jeffries, who of course used to play in this country. And the captain, Elsie Albert, spoke to us on Friday. Last time you were in this country, um, playing at Wakefield or whatever, they've knocked down the stand, they're going to rebuild Bellevue. Can you believe it? I, um, no, I can't, to be honest. They, when I first got to England in 2003, they said they were going to rebuild it, and it never happened in that 10-year period that I was here. So, um, I did get some live footage the other day from, uh, from a mate, and I'm actually going to go back and have a look uh, next week once I get some time. But. I've been waiting 30 years, so you haven't been waiting as long as I have. Uh, welcome back, welcome to the country, welcome to the World Cup. Yeah. How have preparations been going ahead of this tournament? Yeah, very well. We've the, um, been here for just over a week now, and I think they've settled in, they've got over the jet lag and all that sort of thing, so a few internal things to uh, work out, but um, as a team, they're coming, coming along quite well, and 
getting used to the climate and all that sort of thing that, that comes with coming to another continent. Um, obviously, we were embr- um, embracing the, the culture, the, the weather. We knew what was coming at us, and um, I think it's been uh, pretty welcoming, to be honest. I mean, this is the cliche question. What, what is the weather? What's the weather like? How has it been treating you since you've got over here? Uh, we're pretty much used to a more temperate weather back home, so coming here was really cold at first, but I think uh, being here earlier the next, like, uh, earlier prior to the tournament start, it was really good for us to climatise and stuff like that, so we're pretty much accustomed to the weather now. Uh, how's the mood inside the camp ahead of the, the first game on Tuesday? Um, it was exciting. Um, I think that first... Oh, sorry. Was it the question about the trial or the... Come on, coming up with it. Either one's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, like the coach said, like we're pretty much um, you know, going well as a team, so we're looking forward to that game. You've got Canada first. What do you know about Canada apart from playing at the last World Cup? Honestly, we haven't... Like, we haven't done videos or anything on Canada or anybody else. We're just concentrating on ourselves and, and as an individual and as a team. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go when the game starts. How hard is it as a coach when you are playing teams who it's very hard to get footage of? Um, yeah, I've seen some, some footage on Canada. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, contrary ourselves, especially in the female format. Obviously, in the male format, they do a lot, hell of a lot of video, but in the f- uh, female game, I think you can strip it back a bit, which is uh, which is a good thing, keep it simple. Um, so, uh, the group is more concentrated on themselves, which I'm, that's what our focus is, first and foremost. So, um, there won't be too much about Canada, it'll be more about us, what, what we need to do to achieve what we want to get out of that game. Being part of the opening game at Headingley as well, in front of what's set to be a, a record crowd, how, how, what does that mean for Papua New Guinea and rugby league? I think it's outstanding. I've, I've played many a game at Leeds, uh, fortunately, and seen packed houses there, and I love every minute of playing at every game there, whether I won or lost. But um, for an experience like that, um, it's, you know, you, you can't buy that. That's, that's, for them to be able to run out there and play in front of a crowd of 10,000, if that's, if that's what happens, that's outstanding. So it's only going to get bigger and better from here, I suppose, for the, for the women's game. How important has been bringing in Tara Moxon to the squad? Obviously, she plays in the English Super League, won the, the grand final with Leeds. How important has it been bringing her in in terms of knowledge of the conditions and such? Oh, I think with Tara, she was right on the fringe, and unfortunately, she missed the first cut, but I had no problem. She came in and seen the group. She wanted to come see the group, even though she didn't get selected, which were totally about um, family in, in this, in this um, you know, surroundings, whilst we're here for the next four or five weeks. And she fitted straight in, to be honest, and she was in the shadow shadow uh, player list. And um, once we got an injury, um, we had to send someone home. Unfortunately, it was she was a perfect fit. She lives in Leeds, understands the culture, talks top prison. Um, she just bonded really well, and she's got good character, and, and she's fit and healthy. So it was, it was a pretty easy decision, to be honest. I mean, we we love the fact that in Papua New Guinea you've taken the sport that we've invented to heart and it's your national sport and you all love it how important is it going to be to get the fans behind you obviously it can be harder against England but in the other two games in the group getting the uh, the neutral support behind you uh, far from home um, like you said uh, Papua New Guinea is, um, is the only country I think where rugby league is seen as the national sport so like I believe, um, you know, fans back home, uh, you get to watch how the girls are going and how we will go proceed into the World Cup. And like coming into the World Cup, we ranked fourth. So um, there's a lot of expectation on us as a team coming into the World Cup. But like the coach said, like we're just um, concentrating on ourselves and like um, 
to improve individual, individually and as a team as a whole. So, yeah. The Cummels have been doing quite well as well. They're on the verge of qualification for the quarterfinals. We've had lots and lots of comments in our YouTube videos from back home. Is that the kind of support you're wanting as well, that they get behind you as well as they have the Cummels? Yes, 100%. Like, uh, from Simil's uh, perspective as well, we would love to have that kind of support. And like it is, we're gradually coming to that state where we're going to have that kind of support. And I think you know, by us doing well in this World Cup will certainly get us the support that we needed from our country, men and women back home. How has playing in the NRLW improved you as a player? Oh yeah, I think it's just given me more confidence. Um, um, and you know, coming into like, into camp with the team as well, like me being playing in the NRL, you know, I get the respect from the girls as well, and like it makes it easier for me to communicate and like um, talk to them, and um, makes it easier for me to translate what the coach is saying to the girls as well, and like. The experience that I gained from NRLW as well, imparting that to the next generation of girls that are coming through, I think yeah, that's the most important thing that you know me bringing into the team. And how important is that having more and more Papua New Guineans playing in that the biggest competition in the world? I guess. Oh, I think there's um, several players that if, if they put their minds to it and uh, how they perform at the World Cup, you could see more Papua New Guineans definitely playing in the NRLW space next year. Um, having someone like Elsie. Um, obviously, playing and you can see it, see it play, but it's, it's what she does off the field. It's going to be really uh, influential, I think. How you carry yourself and what you do off the field counts a lot to what happens on the field. And it's no coincidence that how she carries herself, how she um, prepares, it transfers on the field, and hopefully that's the influence we have uh, within our group um, in the World Cup. We've seen the men improve year on year, and I guess the women are on that same pathway, just a, a few years behind because the, the game started later. Yeah, look, I think um, after doing some research and, and some talent ID through P&G in the last, last 12 months, it's there. They just need to have some uh, other stepping stones and pathways uh, implemented to get to that. that um. The World Cup, it is here. Gabby, prefer Gabby? Yes, excellent. The, the word's right. Welcome to England, welcome to the World Cup. How are you feeling? Yeah, um, feeling very excited to be here. Um, very grateful for the opportunity. Um, you know, working through a little nerves, but just doing my best to stay on top of those. Is this your first time in the country? No, I uh, actually came to watch some of the Rugby Union World Cup of the men's back in 2015 um, down in London, and I also went up to Edinburgh. How have you? How did you find it? And then, and how are you finding the things now with the weather and everything? <laughs> Very different. I mean, last time I was here, it was sunny most of the time, and that was in September. Uh, and now it's sunny again, so I can't complain really. <laughs> uh, Mike, how have preparations been going ahead of the tournament? Really well. Um, we had a couple of camps in Canada throughout the year, and. Um, built a really strong squad um, and really strong connections within the squad and we've um, got here and really hit the ground running um, we've uh, we had, had a warm-up game against Ireland which was really uh, really beneficial to us and I think uh, got rid of some nerves and, and, and really helped the squad sort of um, focus a lot more um, we, but training's going well we're improving every session and um, yeah really looking forward to, to actually put it all, all into practice I mean, results are for us to pour over but I guess it means nothing in a warm-up game just getting the combinations ready and getting acclimatised that's right like uh, Ireland were really great, uh, were great and it was a really good competition um, we, you know we, we were able to try some combinations try players in different positions uh, we've, we're still a very we've got some girls that haven't played much rugby league so it was a, a huge experience um, for them um, to get their first cap 
Um, but inevitably it was all to prepare for the first game at the World Cup. Now, unless I'm mistaken, that's not a Canadian accent. How have you ended up in charge of this team? <laughs> so, uh, no, it's a, it's a cross between an English accent and an Australian accent, actually. So um, it's a bit of a funny one. But my grandfather um, was Canadian, so uh, very proud of his family and, and where he come from. So it's, a, it's an honour to, to, to coach this team. Obviously, 2017 was a, was a great tournament for Canada. How can things improve in 2022, in 2021, or whatever it is? I'm getting confused. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, what we really need to focus on is just continuing to come together to uh, play the type of defense that we can um, and to execute on offense. Um, we're, uh, as a squad, very physical. We um, have some quality 80-minute players, so I think we just have to lean on our strengths, and uh, that'll be our, our ticket through. You've got a fascinating group because obviously you're in with Hurst England, which is going to be a great game at Wigan in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Papua New Guinea, who are an experienced rugby league nation, but the women are growing as, as a sport there. Mm-hmm. And Brazil, who no one seems to know anything about. Can you tell me anything about Brazil? Because I need to learn as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we tuned into, they had a friendly match with France the other night and we watched them. Uh, I'm not sure we know a ton. I do know that they have athletes from all backgrounds. I wouldn't uh, downgrade them one second because, you know, from what we saw, they are fit, they have speed, uh, some quality kickers, uh, and I really think that uh, they just might surprise us. There's going to be a big crowd in Leeds on, on Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. What are you expecting from Papua New Guinea in that one? Um, you know, I think... Papua New Guinea will be uh, a challenging fight. Uh, they're going to have some some heavy ball carriers right up the middle, um, and I think that we're just going to try and shut them down right away. Um, I think we'll be looking to just play a fast game. It's a, it is a fascinating group. Obviously, you, you've got England in there, but two great nations as well, Papua New Guinea and Brazil, who, as I say about Brazil, we don't know much about. No, that's right. And people, I guess... We're in the same boat as Brazil are at the last World Cup. Nobody knew anything about us. We, uh, it was our first time at the tournament and, and we were able to win a game. So we can ne- absolutely never you know, um, disregard what Brazil can bring to the tournament. And as Gabby said last night, yeah, they, they, they've definitely got some quality athletes and, they're, um, and again, they'll be improving every session. And um, We know that when we face them at the end of the tournament, they're going to be a lot better than what we saw last night. So... Um, They've got they've got Olympians in that team, and they're they're all high performance athletes, and you know they're going to be preparing really well. What can we expect from Canada in terms of the style of rugby league you'll be playing out there? I think we'll try and play we'll play, try and play to our strength. We're a, we're a mobile side. Um, we'll try and uh, we'll try and use that. We'll try and play fast. We'll try and move the ball. Um, we've got some experience in the team with Laura Mariu, um, who is a, a former Kiwi Fern. Um, so. Um, We'll, we'll try and utilise her experience and things like that. So I, I think uh, we've got to, you know, depends who we play, I guess, and we'll, we'll try and adapt to the, to the opposition a little bit too. And what's it like bringing in someone with so much experience in winning World Cups, not just playing in them? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think all of um, all the team have really embraced her into, into our team, and um, she has so much knowledge to share, um, and she's so willing to work individually with people and help them improve, and it's wonderful to have her on board. You realise there's going to be some loud Canadian support there in Leeds on, on, on I Tuesday. I hope so. <laughs> how, does that, how, does it mean, how does it feel to have that support in the crowd? Because obviously you're miles and miles away from home, probably not a massive sport in Canada, but you're still going to have supporters there cheering you on. I'm so grateful. I think um, it's amazing that people are travelling to come watch the games. Um, even just the other day when we were in Ireland, we met a supporter who lives over here in England and he's a fan of Canada. And It was just amazing to connect with the community and have them out and supporting us.
So you're the second captain out this World Cup because Wales male captain Elliot Keir also a firefighter. I know you've told Claire Balding this at last, but how do the two match up in terms of uh, transferable skills? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a retired wild firefighter, so I don't actually do it anymore, but it's a very physical job. Um, and in BC, it's very mountainous, so um, you can imagine every day is hiking up and down a mountain carrying probably 100 pounds of gear. So um, it's definitely physically prepared you, and mentally, um, it's probably one of the most challenging jobs because you have to be able to tune in and tune out really quickly. Um, sometimes, you know, you may just be waiting around until you get the call and you have to be able to turn it on right away. Finally, your coach has already said what we expect. What are we going to expect from the team on the pitch in this World Cup? Sorry? What, do we expect, what are we going to expect from, from your team on, on the pitch in the World Cup? Yeah, I think you can expect some great things from our team. Um, we've really been working hard um, at building a fast game, and I think um, once we get out there um, and start executing, uh, we'll be you know, playing some good footy. The captain of Canada's Ravens, Gabby Hindley there, and coach Mike Castle. They will play Papua New Guinea after Brazil take on the hosts England. And I had a couple of minutes to speak to the England head coach, Craig Richards. Two minutes in, Craig. Uh, how excited are you for the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, extremely. Listen, we feel as though we've waited a lifetime for it, and uh, finally it's here. We get to go into camp, we get to play in two or three days against um, Brazil, and we just can't wait to get going. Brazil, we know the thing about every coach has said the same. Is it all just about concentrating on what you can do as yourself as a team? Yeah, things have changed. We're quite fortunate. We went to watch them last night against France in um, Featherstone, and um, you know it gives a little insight into how they'll play. So now it's just about going away, and we won't tweet much to play against them. To be honest, we'll we'll stick to our processes, our structures, and you know play with confidence. But yeah, we know a little bit more about them now, and um, we'll, we'll see how it goes on the day. But we, we are really confident. Having been involved in the women's game for so long, how excited are you for the the impact, potential impact of the tournament? And 10,000 people coming on, on Tuesday afternoon to watch the England side. Is that a nice kind of pressure to have? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful pressure to have. You know, we, we kind of seen it in one or two big games, having a large crowd behind you. For us, it won't be pressure, it'll be inspiring. And, uh, you know, it's imploring even more peeps come out and watch us, really. And, you know, we won't let you down. We'll give you something to cheer about and... Yeah, we're just really excited about getting a large crowd behind us, cheering England on, um, getting us out of dark spots when you don't feel as though you can move your legs. That's what a crowd can give give you, really, and that's what we want. We're in a tournament where there's never been as much, I guess, expectation on the host nation, but not just expectation, but information about the host nation. The fact that there's been a debate about who's been in your squad, is that kind of shows you how far the game has grown in the last few years? Yeah, and that was something that, you know, four years ago we craved. It, it was almost too easy to pick an England squad. And the fact that we now have picked a really strong 24-player um, squad, there's arguably some really good players that didn't quite make it, where probably in other years would have walked into the squad. That's where we need to be. And, um, you know, moving forward, that's how you would always want it. Um, if you're going to be the best in the world, it can't just be about 24 players. And it, there's got to be some disappointment along the way. Finally, because you're going to be drifted away... <laughs> Did you enjoy being described as a big cuddly teddy bear? <laughs> I didn't mind it, believe it or not. They say it to my face sometimes. Um, and listen, for me, that, that's great. Um, I don't want players around me um, walking on eggshells. I like it to be relaxed. I like us to have a laugh because it's about winning the World Cup, but it's about enjoying winning the World Cup. It's about being relaxed and enjoying each other's company. So, listen, when the girls come out with stuff like that, I actually find it really funny. Yeah, I wonder if any other media outlets asked, do you, do you like being called the big cuddly teddy bear? I don't know. I don't know, because I've not listened to their output. I've been busy. Right, so that's Group A. 
Uh, group B, the group of mild discomfort, uh, New Zealand, Australia, France and Cook Islands. Uh, let's start with our friends from the Cook Islands because uh, there's 17,000 people live there. Where, uh, France has 65 million, Australia I think it was 26 or something and uh, New Zealand 5. So it's fair to say Cook Islands fairly outnumbered in this tournament. If you are from York or you're just going along to the games, make sure you support them, uh, especially against Australia and New Zealand. But they're going to give it a go. Uh, we've been speaking to them. So it's coach Anthony Mature and the co-captain of the Cookies, Eliana Walton. I asked Tony Ira a couple of weeks ago at the launch about Cook Islands because I don't know much about Cook Islands. He said it's beautiful, he said it's wonderful. And I'm guessing you're going to tell me the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's about 700 uh, k's north of New Zealand in the South Pacific. And uh, yeah, it's the birthplace of my dad. So uh, yeah, very biased that it's a paradise in the, in the South Pacific. And we're very, very proud to represent our, our home country yeah, heritage. I mean, it's amazing to be in a World Cup where you've got Brazil, which is this huge country, massive, millions and millions of people there, yeah. and the Cook Islands, which has got a few thousand. It's, it's an amazing story. Yeah, we've got more, uh, more Cook Islanders in Auckland than we do have in, in the actual Cook Islands. But we're still very proud of our heritage, and we're very proud to have the opportunity to represent our heritage as well. And what can we expect from the team of the Women's World Cup? Hey, uh, we just had that question earlier on Twitter, and... Uh, <laughs> We think we're the dark horses, um, you know, like you said, we've got the uh, pool of death up against the toughest draw in the World Cup, with the uh, world number one first, world number two second. Hey, so the expectation is on our position, it's not on us, so we've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. I mean, it's lovely, I mean, you must be cursing Prince Harry, because he comes out with his draw, and you've got Australia, and you, I mean, it's like the press in this country don't like him anyway, but it's good. you come up with Australia, New Zealand and France in the, in the group stage, you must be thinking... I don't know what they were thinking, but I guess that's the draw. Um, we're happy to take on the challenge and ready to go. You, you can't lose, can you, at this stage? If you're taking on the best two teams in the world, play favourites to win the competition, whatever you do, well, I go, what can you do out there against them? Look, just play our heart out. We're playing for our culture, our people and our family back home, so we've got nothing to lose, like Coach said. Um, it's all on them. The one thing you will be guaranteed to have, especially against Australia and New Zealand, and France as well, is the support of everyone else in the stadium who's not supporting Australia, New Zealand and France. Um, we're all going to become Cook Islanders for the day. How important is that support going to be for you? Oh, it's, it'll be huge. Like, um, we don't have much support back at home of, like, you know, everyone coming on board. So hopefully, like, you know, they stick with us and we'll do, hopefully make an up- upset. Well, we've seen with the, with the, in the men's tournament how much support they've got for the way they play, and obviously being up in Middlesbrough, which is close to uh, Captain Cook, who, of course, has renamed the island. Um, yeah. How is, important is that support back home and here for you in this tournament? Oh, it's huge. You know, like, um, we're a very proud nation, and when the boys won that first game against Wales, and uh, we've got a suburb in South Auckland, Mangani East, and they were out with their flags, and they had a parade going down the street, they were dancing in the streets, so you can see that they uh, are so passionate. And we'd love to uh, give them more uh, reason to smile and more reason to dance. As a coach, when you go up against the likes of the Gillaroos and the Ferns, who are the top two teams in the world, Australia favourites, ridiculously short-priced favourites for the bookmakers to win the whole thing. You're expected to win without losing a game. What kind of what kind of game plan do you have to come up with for a match like that? Hey, uh, the, the, the game plan doesn't change in rugby league. The, the recipe for winning is always very simple. It's to do the basics the best, to be consistent. And that's our goal when we go up there. And, 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 it, and it, we're oblivious to who we're playing in that regard. It's about focusing on what we're doing and trying to do the basics the best and be consistent with it. And we know that if, if, we, can, if we can do that and put them under pressure, 
you know, like I said, the expectation is on them, it's not on us. And it's how they handle the pressure. To us, there's no pressure on us. They have the pressure, not us. So that's a benefit. And uh, we love being the underdogs, so kia ora <laughs> I mean, we, we love the underdogs in this country. You're going to get lots of support. The people in York, what's your message to the people of York who may not have seen a rugby league game before? What do you want to say to them to, to come out and support you against these, these evil Australians? <laughs> we, we don't like them, we don't like them. Starts with our haka, our pet. So come and watch us. Um, you know, we'll be happy to have all the sport we can get um, into the lead-up to our first game against the Deliveries. I should say, obviously, we like New Zealand more than Australia. I don't want to upset you. We're all right upsetting Australia, but not New Zealand. Uh, and I guess for the people back home, or you watch as you say, there's not too much support there at the moment, but what can you do in this tournament to increase that knowledge and awareness and support base for the Cook Islands team? Yeah, I, I, I think the big thing for us to, is to show that we can be competitive at this level. Uh, we've got we've got probably five girls with NRL LW experience, and then we've got a few sort of girls who have come in under the radar. So we're, we're hoping that they're going to step up to this level and, and shine on the world stage. And I think that that's going to encourage more support back home and garner more support. And I think once they see how good we can play, they're going to get right behind us and really spur us on. All Cook Islands, are we? So New Zealand, of course, are the second favourites to win the competition. And if the draw pans out as you'd expect, they would face Australia again in the final. They meet, of course, in the group stage. Now let's hear from their captain, first of all, Crystal Rother. Crystal, welcome to the UK. Welcome to the World Cup. It's been a long journey here. How are you feeling? Oh, feeling good, actually. I was expecting to be a little bit more jet-lagged. It's a little bit hard to, you know, adjust to the time difference. But um, in general, feeling really good. Excited to be here and excited to kick off. New Zealand have won the Women's World Cup three times. Second favourites to win this one behind the Australians. Obviously, that's going to be a great clash. But how much expectation have you got on your own team to, to perform in this competition? Yeah, obviously always have big expectations from your own side and, um, you know, the girls have been training hard and we've sort of come together as a collective really well. So, um, you know, don't want to put too much expectations on them or pressure, additional pressure that they don't need, but um, I'm I'm expecting that the girls, you know, will come to the party when they need to. New Zealand, obviously, we all know is a big rugby nation, the All Blacks and whatever, but how big are are the ferns and how big can the ferns be? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we were travelling here, to be honest, they thought we were the Black Ferns. So there's a lot of hype around our Black Ferns, and, you know, that comes with earning the respect and earning that, um, you know, that title that they have done so over the years. So, um, you know, the Ferns will make a big name in the future, and, you know, winning things like this is how you do that and creating history. And, you know, unfortunately, back when they won the three World Cups, you know, there wasn't much exposure in our rugby league game. So, um, you know, things are changing now, so hopefully we can do our country proud. How important are things like the, the NRLW coming in and, and payers being played a little bit of money and, and that exposure in Australia? How important has that been for the development? It's been massively important. Um, you know, there's been so many years that women have had to pay their way in rugby league and you know do things vol- you know voluntary. So it's it's, a, it's exciting times to see that the game is evolving and you know that in the behind the scenes that you know they're actually doing work too, so that our women can be paid and it's de- deservingly so. So I'm so excited for what the future generation may hold, especially with how equality is becoming more evident now. That is the thing about this tournament. It, it's a massive step forward, but there's still plenty of step forwards to go. Yeah, exactly, and you know. It's step by step, just like anything. We can't expect to just jump straight to the top and be equal with the men when we're sort of just making our way. So it's just good to see that, you know, there's gradual changes every year. There's, it's evolving more and, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the men. So, you know, in years to come, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what our future generation will be in regards to equality. First up, you've got France here in York. What do you know about them? 
I know nothing to be honest and you know that's a scary thing at, at the same sense because you know it's the unexpected um, when you have nations that you can study and um, you know watch video, video footage of um, that makes it a little bit you know you know what to prepare for when you don't actually know anything about a nation that's a little bit more scary but um, you know it's exciting times as well and we're excited to play um, France in our first game. It was supposed to be last year of course has the delay changed anything in terms of plans for New Zealand? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's sort of changed things in the way that you know players that would have played last time that are not available through injury, through having babies, through whatever it may be. Um, you know, that changes the dynamic of a team as such. But you just you know roll with it, and you just have to do what you can with who's available. Um, and you know, the coaches have done a great job at selecting. And our coach said, you know, he's picking players based on being good people, not just good players. And I think he's definitely done that. I know this will sound stupid, but I almost have to rewire my brain because I don't factor in things like people having babies as a reason to not play in a tournament. <laughs> he, he, he's trying to get used to all these different things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just sitting in that press conference in there and in, in the opening, sorry, um, and just hearing, you know, all the stories from the different captains and, you know, that's what a lot of people don't see is that there's more to footy players than just footy. And, you know, there's so many things, going factors going on in the background for women, such as having babies and such as still having to work full time. And, um, you know, those things a lot of people don't know or think about. So, um, you you know, I just take my hat off to any female athlete in the sport that's um, you know, d- d- done the groundwork, obviously the people in the past, but still today you know, there's a lot of sacrifice that has to be made to be here. What stories are you hoping to make come the end of this tournament? Stories? Holding up the World Cup and um, you know, getting a fourth title for New Zealand, that would be the ultimate dream. And um, you know, obviously that's the same goal that every, every other nation has, so it's definitely going to be hard, but that's what we came here to do. And you know, I hope that we can definitely do that for our country. When you started in your rugby league journey, do you ever think you'd be playing in a World Cup in England and, and in a World Cup in the same, same World Cup that Brazil are taking part in? Oh, absolutely not. To be honest, I didn't even think I would be playing a rugby league World Cup at my age, so um, I'm just excited to be here. So so grateful for the opportunity and to see you know nations like Brazil becoming a part of the World Cup just shows the evolution of our game and I just hope in future that there'll be more nations like Brazil that get to represent in, in, in this competition for the first time. Uh, Ricky, welcome to the World Cup. Um, it's finally here. How ready are the New Zealanders for the challenge of winning the tournament? Yeah, we're pretty confident. Um, we're looking forward to it. Obviously a couple of years in the making for us. Um, so, you know, we've done everything we, we, we could have done back home and got over here and tried to get amongst it. So I think we're ready, we're ready to go and uh, really looking forward to it. First game against France, what have you uh, seen of them in the bill? Have you done much work on them? Uh, I've watched a couple, just a couple of games over the last couple of years. Obviously, um, a lot of teams haven't played, but we've been able to sort of watch the England-France game a wee bit. So um, got some footage there. But you know, at the end of the day, I think for us, it's more about what we're doing rather than what the opposition are doing. Yeah, this is the message I'm getting from everyone now. It's, it's difficult for you to prepare for teams when no one's really played over the past few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's um, it is it is a bit tricky, you know. But um, what you can control is obviously what you do with your team and how we prepare and you know building our environment and our culture and um, you know setting some things up where um, you know there'll be goals for us in the game too. So yeah, that's that's sort of what our approach at the moment. The way the the group has been drawn. You face Australia in the group stage, which I think, for any neutrals, it, it's an, a mouth-watering tie, but a great challenge for both nations. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of a tricky one too because we um, we get them in the back end of the, the draw as well. So, um, depending on sort of what happens in the earlier games, um, 
you know, you could be, you, you might have to beat them to, to progress. So, yeah, a bit of a challenge here. But look, at some point we um, we, we knew we were going to have to play them and, and we're looking forward to that challenge and I'm pretty sure they are as well. What have you made of the uh, the build-up to the storm? As you say, it's, it's been delayed by a year. It, it, it's, it feels like it's finally here and, it, and now the men's tournament is well underway. It feels like we're just ready for that next bit and that's where the women come in. Yeah, yeah, it's um, exciting. Like um, watching some of the, the men's games, um, they start to get down to the, the business end of the, the comp, I think, next week. So, um, yeah, for us, you know, it's sort of um, start fast because, you know, you lose a game or you don't, you know, if you lose a game, you don't progress. So, yeah, a bit like the other nations, we've just got to make sure we turn up and be ready for that first game. Who are the players we should be looking out for in your squad, if it's if you can narrow it down? Um, yeah, we got we got a couple of players that are, that are pretty good. Um you know, we had the NRLW um, Player of the Year, Racing McGregor, who's, who's done an outstanding job over the last couple of years, to be honest. Um, and we've got a, a few younger girls coming through as well uh, that are the future of the, the Kiwi Ferns and um, they had a women's game for us. So really looking forward to them. Otessa Paul is uh, one of them. Um, no, she's raw, she's only 18, 18, 19. Um, and yeah, she, she's played some outstanding footy with the NRLW team at the Sydney Roosters. Um, so she's one to sort of look out for as well. I mentioned to you, Captain, earlier, we, we, associate, we associate Brazil with football, we associate New Zealand with rugby, whether it's Union, of course, with the All Blacks All League. How important is Women's Rugby League and how big can it get be in New Zealand? Yeah, it's evolving. Like, I, I will say, um, you know, I think the game itself is it's on the it's on the up and as the players start, you know, start getting into their professional environment, uh, start getting educated about the game, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a, a pathway that a lot of the ladies can sort of look forward to and and have a career. And so exciting times ahead for um, the women's women's game, women's rugby league. And yeah, I guess for them, uh, an exciting opportunity for the younger generation too to come through and um, look forward to sort of getting into that space. It's certainly a cliche, but you're guaranteed when you do play Australia, all the neutrals will be behind you, which must must be a nice feeling to have. Yeah, we're going to need all the help we we can get. Um, you know, they're the hot favourites at the moment, and um, rightfully so. But like I said, we're, we're pretty confident with what we're doing, and uh, we'll just go about our business. And, and if, if everyone wants to get behind us, you know, we'll, we'll definitely take it. So, um, if there's any English people out there that want to come down and watch us play in York and play them and, and play any team, uh, yeah, more than welcome to uh, get on our bandwagon. I think, as it turns out, this podcast is turning into just support everyone but Australia, but you know. They're probably going to go on and win. That was the New Zealand coach, Ricky Henry. Let's hear from the Australians then now and their coach, Brad Donald. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I'm going to ask you, and this is a strange question, because obviously pressure is a, a, a thing we talk about a lot in sport, but you've got perhaps the most pressureful job in sport because everyone expected to win this World Cup comfortably. You've got the best talent out there. How do you deal with that expectation that you're just going to walk in and win this competition? Yeah, well, that's definitely not the case, and I think that's the way. There is an expectation that we win, and there's an expectation every time that the girls pull on the jersey that they they do win, or they, when they pull the jersey on that they draw a whole bunch of things off the field, which is to help the game grow, inspire young ladies. But, um, you know, as part of that, as part of that expectation, is like making sure that we're prepared because there's a number of nations here that are just as hungry as what we are and just as talented as what we are. So, you know, anything can happen in an 80-minute game of footy. So, we've just got to make sure we leave no stone unturned to make sure our our, our team performs the best that it can. 
you've mentioned something there, and I'm going to mention it now because you've mentioned 80 minutes of footing. That's not what you're playing the NRLW. We're used to 80 minutes up here. Is that a difficult thing to to change the the way you prepare for an 80 minute match rather than 70, 75 minutes? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. You know, like we've we've only um, in the early days of the NRLW, they were playing 60 minutes, and we've only just progressed to 70 in the last couple of years. And um, that's the same for our state of origin, which is you know the, probably the one step below international footy. So. Um, the extra um, the extra ten minutes is is a, is a long time, and, and we will see a decay in the uh, in the performance of those teams that aren't that aren't used to playing that, that that amount of time. So I think that's a distinct advantage that the, the um, nations that play eighty minutes, like um, England, will have over other teams. The Kangaroos of eighty two are revered over here as the, the immortal side, the invincible side. The Gillaroos coming over here, almost feeling the same kind of intensity and pressure on them. What's it like to be compared to those great men's teams of the past? Oh, look, I think it's great that, that the girls are getting the recognition that they are. But I just, um, it's been part of our, uh, it's been part of our goals as a team to to not just come here and win, you know, the footy matches, but make sure we enjoy the experiences here. We we connect with people. We, there's a great spirit of collaboration across the women's game, and and even here today talking to other coaches and sharing knowledge and, and experience. So so we can make the women's game better. I think that's just as important to us as taking home the World Cup. And um, and we want to make sure that we, we have those experiences and we share that knowledge. You come up against the Cook Islands, first of all. Couldn't be a more smaller nation to take part in this competition compared to the likes of Brazil, but they've got nothing to lose whatsoever. What's it like preparing for a team who you know can go out there and pretty much have a free reign of what they do? Yeah, well, look, they're, they're actually a good, you know, they might be small, but in, in Australia, they're actually the, um, the, the, the players, the female players in, in Australia that have got um, Cook Island or Pacific Heritage, um, the highest amount come from the Cook Island. So there's a big population of Cook Islanders players playing in both New Zealand and Australia. So, And you know, I've been fortunate enough to coach a couple of the, the players in that team um, in the past. They are a good team. So um, they're not to be underestimated. They've probably got the most exciting halfback running around um, in young Shante, who will be a household name in, in women's rugby league in the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, we've, we've prepared for them just like we would prepare for New Zealand or England. Obviously, you want to see your competition full of players who qualify for your nation, but would you like to see some English players uh, have a go over there? We saw in the past, in the 80s and the 90s, plenty of the great great British players of the past player in the uh, Australian competition. Would you like to see some of our Super League players over there? Oh, we would, most definitely. And, um, you know, look, we're helping... Part of our day job is to, to ensure that the, the four new NRLW teams have got support when it comes to um, how they're going to fill their sides with quality players. And I think you'll see teams like the Canberra Raiders who have been successful in, um, probably because of the climate in Canberra, is very similar to up here. Um, the, a number of um, the, the English players that have gone down there and been hugely successful in, in, the, men's, in the men's competition. Um, they'll have a similar strategy when it comes to, to recruitment of, of the females. So um, I definitely think there's an opportunity for that to happen, but it'll also be great to see some of the Aussies come up and play in the Super League and, and, and play up here in, in the English competition in, in the years. And, and who knows, maybe if we get things right, that you know we can see the, the competitions where the best players are playing in both of those competitions in, in coming years. And in a first for the podcast, we end in France because I don't speak French, 
and Alice Varela, the captain of the French national team, doesn't speak English. So I'll ask questions. You might hear the <laughs> question being repeated in French. You'll hear the answer in French and then the translation. How is the mood, how is everyone feeling in the French camp ahead of the, the World Cup? It's good to de rencontrer des grandes équipes comme la Nouvelle-Zélande et l'Australie et on ne connaît pas les équipes mais je pense que c'est du très haut niveau aussi donc on est très on a très hâte very excited um, in particular to play against great nations New Zealand and Australia we don't know much about the Cook Islands but certainly we're very excited to, to play against them as well we think they're very uh, high quality side as well New Zealand the first game uh, of the tournament one of the favourites to win how do you feel going into that as you said, we're not the favourites, um, but we've certainly worked hard and we'll do our best. Um, you never know what might happen. Um, we've got a lot of new players in the team, so we'll, we'll give our best shot when the time comes. What can we expect from France? With There's a certain style France, a French men play with. Is that what we expect from the women as well? Les bases des équipes de France sont les mêmes, donc voilà, on essaie de rester sur le même plan de jeu que pour toutes les équipes de France. Maintenant, on a un plan de jeu adapté à chaque équipe, donc vu qu'on rencontre la Nouvelle-Zélande, ce sera certainement un peu différent. It's true that all the French teams do tend to apply the same principles to the way that we play, but we have our own game plan that we need to adapt to each of the each of the matches that we play. So certainly we'll be we look, be looking at that ahead of our game. Having players come over and play in Super League this year, how much has that been as a a boost, a benefit to the, the national team? Alors, vous avez eu des joueuses qui ont pris du temps de, de jouer en Angleterre cette année. Comment est-ce que ça oui. Euh, ça a été très bénéfique pour nous, déjà de mettre un pied dans le rugby euh, euh, on va dire de haut niveau, euh, c'est super pour euh, les joueuses françaises et en plus euh, elles apportent euh, leur expérience dans l'équipe de France et ça c'est un plus pour nous et il faut qu'on qu continue avec ça et j'espère qu'il y en aura d'autres. It's extremely beneficial. It's given us an opportunity for some of our players to dip their toe into the high-performance world, um, and certainly the experience that they've gained from playing in, in the UK. They've, they've obviously been able to bring that back into our team environment. Uh, we need to keep going. We need to do more of the same. Finally, how important is this tournament for France with you hosting the next World Cup in three years' time? Vu que vous allez être pays haute en 2025, est-ce que tu peux dire ça doit être très important pour vous de jouer ici. Oui, c'est très important parce que euh, on, on se doit de montrer que voilà l'équipe de France est une, est une nation qui peut faire partie d'une Coupe du Monde. 
Donc euh, aujourd'hui, voilà, on, fait, on fait le max pour, euh, pour présenter la France. Et puis, euh, rendez-vous en 2025. <rire> Um, absolutely, it's really important. We need to show that um, as a French team we can compete in a World Cup and we'll do our absolute best representing our nation and look forward to seeing you in France 2025. French captain Alice Varela there closing off this uh, latest episode of the 4020 Live Almost Daily World Cup podcast. Uh, next week, by the way, we are in Dewsbury on Tuesday and York on Thursday. That's the 8th and 10th of November, respectively. There'll probably be another episode of this up sometime on Thursday, following the first round of fixtures in the Women's World Cup. And the the wheelchair event will have been kicked off then as well. I'll be in Sheffield on Friday, trains permitting for the first games in the group down there as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the World Cup action to come. Don't forget to find us on YouTube where there's loads of uh, content going up all the time. And loads of comments from Papua New Guinea still, which is good. We love you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.